Hey, greetings, everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West here, and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal Program. You gotta light them up before they burn it down. Hey folks, Lieutenant Carl Allen West here at Watchtower Firearms. This is the uh, custom design uh, AR-15 that was just made for me. It's got my Steadfast and Laurel logo there. On this side, you can see my signature, my master parachutist wings, of course, American flag. And I just want to tell you that you can't be a great American unless you have a great American weapon. And that's exactly what Watchtower Firearms is building. Great American weapons all American parts manufactured right here in the great state of Texas. And oh, by the way, the, uh, let me see, where is the serial number on this one? TX1836. If you're from Texas, I think you know what that means. God bless you. God bless Washtown. Hey, Dirt Center. Yes. Hey, greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Steadfast and Loyal program. You know, there are some people that you would never know that they're around and something happens that completely changes their life, but it also can have an effect on changing your life. And we're going to talk to someone that has had that impact, not just for himself and, and his family, but also for the United States of America. And that's Mark Houck. He is a former college football All-American, a high school teacher, coach and counselor turned activist, radio host, evangelist, and motivational pro-life speaker. Mark Houck has done it all. In September 2022, Mark and his wife, Ryan Marie, and seven young children made international news when an FBI raid invasion of their home. Mark was falsely charged with felony violations and faced 11 years in federal prison and $350,000 in fines for his sidewalk counseling and for defending his 12-year-old son from an aggressive abortion escort. Mark was acquitted on all charges in January the 30th of this year. Mark Houck, thank you for joining us here at the Steadfast and Law Program. Thanks, Colonel, for having me. Good to be with you. Absolutely. Now, you know, I'm wearing my University of Tennessee orange because, you know, we're going into college football season. I'm all psyched and ready to go. So tell us a little bit. I mean, when I read this about a college football All-American, where did you play? What, what was your experience? And what was the reason why you didn't go on to the pro level? <laughs> well, I was, a, I was a defensive back, so that might have something to do with it. But uh, I went to Catholic U in Washington, D.C. Sure. Division three school, and um, I got a scouting look by the New England Patriots my my senior year, and um, I pursued professional football for about two years. I was going to go overseas to Germany and Australia, and then come back and and give it a go and see if we couldn't get a 
free agent contract within the Canadian Football League or the NFL, but that just didn't happen. It wasn't in the cards, and I needed to hang them up as most athletes do. Yeah. And uh, but, but they they don't really get to that level very often. So, uh, but uh, being a, a white defensive back, it wasn't really set up to be uh, in the cards for me uh, in the NFL. Well, you could have been, you know, one of those strong safeties like Pat Tillman and deliver a, a harsh That's punch true. for that, uh, you That's know, receiver true. coming across the middle. So, so okay, where did you go on from there after, you know, coming out of Catholic University? Sure. Well, I got my master's degree in education. I became a teacher. Uh, prior to that, I just had a business degree and I, I worked for a short time in corporate America did some uh, uh, property management, did some uh, human resource management. We moved into juvenile justice while I was getting my master's degree. And so I worked with the juveniles in uh, in the, my area for about five years and while I got that degree. And then I transitioned into uh, being a teacher in the public school system, actually the same public school that Benjamin Netanyahu went to school up here in wow. Philadelphia. And then uh, after about a year or so of teaching, I decided to go into full-time ministry and I worked for another organization, uh, a pro-life organization, about three years before I launched my own ministry uh, in 06 called The King's Men, a men's ministry. So when you talk about going into ministry, was this a passion that you always had burning inside of you and you feel more fulfilled doing this, especially, you know, with the pro-life? And also, you know, you're right. I think that we really have to do a lot when you talk about the king's men. Uh, I saw one of the issues that you deal with is fatherlessness. I think that's an un, uh, unaddressed issue in the United States of America right now, especially in, in the black community. We've seen the decimation of the traditional sure. nuclear family. Sure. Well, I mean, the, when it comes to manhood and the crisis in masculinity, it begins, it begins with the father, right? It begins with, uh, you know, him stepping up to his role as, as husband, as leader, as protector, as provider and the breakdown in society. I mean, we wouldn't have an abortion problem if fathers were doing the right things, if they were stepping up and, and, and doing everything that they should be doing to protect women and children. And so we really need to get to the core of the problem, which is, is really the fatherlessness that you talked about. It's the number one reason why we have crime yeah. uh, with the juveniles and even the adult crime, right? The recidivism rate for these guys is 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 uh, like 90 percent those that have like no father figure and we know that even in a faith standpoint that when a father's present that that's even more impactful so um there's so much that that trickles from a father uh as god intended right so um yeah. it's not it's no wonder now you live uh in the suburb of philadelphia bucks right. county i've been there many a time beautiful area uh, you know, Valley Forge and, and, you know, one of the encampments of George Washington uh, in that area. What was it like, the Kermit Gosnell issue? Uh, how did that affect you when you talk about your pro-life ministry and what you're seeking to do? Well, I, I would go to 38th and Lancaster right down the road from University of Pennsylvania all the time. We didn't know when Mr. Gosnell was doing abortion. So we would be there during the day and we would be praying and uh, he would do them at night. He would. And we didn't know that till the very end. But um, but, we, you know, we were praying there and had had for years. And then, of course, it, it hit the media and, and then, of course, it exploded and we had, you know, all that revealed. But, um, we, you know, I've been in front of that mill and uh, now it's a, a crisis pregnancy center. That, that whole facility has been transformed for life. Uh, it's a pregnancy resource center called Alpha Pregnancy Care. 
Well, that's good. I mean, it says in the Bible what, you know, was intended for evil. God will turn that into good because we have the exact same thing with 40 days for life down here in, uh, in uh, Bryan College Station. You know, used to be one of those places that sure. were an abortion clinic, but now it's the headquarters for 40 days for life. So let's talk about what happened to you. Uh, and you can kind of break it down chronologically because, you know, I remember hearing about this and reading about this and saying, why is the FBI conducting a raid in the suburban home of a pro-life activist? So kind of give us, you know, your Cliff Notes version and take us through the trial. Take us through you being exonerated sure. of all of these uh, supposed alleged offenses. Right. So everything began on October 13th, 2021, where I was. For 20 years, I've been going to the same place, praying, helping women in crisis, men in crisis, trying to uh, in, intervene in the, in the 11th hour. And that's what a free safety does. He's the last line of defense. Uh, and I've been doing that for years. And I started taking my son in 2021, who was 12 years at the time, 12 years old. And uh, he had been to about 30 or 40 of these uh, vigils with me uh, every Wednesday. So on this particular Wednesday, there was a bit of an altercation with a escort re representing Planned Parenthood who was trying to impede my First Amendment rights. And basically he was harassing and bullying my son and he wouldn't stop. Uh, I been, eventually just became a dad and said, man, you got to stop. And, and there was a bit of an altercation, a bit of a shove. And the city of Philadelphia, that's not a big deal. Uh, it happens every weekend at the Philadelphia Eagles game. So <laughs> yeah, I, no kidding. <laughs> I was put in a, a private criminal complaint which was dismissed at the state level in April 22, uh, uh, 22nd, 2022. And uh, five days later, I was uh, served a target letter on the same street corner where my son and I had that original altercation. I was, that target letter said I was a, a target of a federal grand jury investigation under a potential charges uh, against the FACE Act, two acts facing up to 11 years in prison, $350,000 in fines, and three years probation. And let me, just, let me just remind people that FACE stands for Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances. That's, that's the FACE That's act. the law. Yeah. That's the law that was in, in, instituted in 1994 uh, with uh, Chuck Schumer, Ted Kennedy, the like. And so uh, it was used quite effectively to stop pro-lifers from, from exercising their First Amendment rights, doing some civil disobedience as well. But nonetheless, they applied it poorly and wrongfully in my case. That said, on April 27th, the Dobbs case had not leaked yet in the Supreme Court. So my attorneys contacted the assistant U.S. attorneys and said, you have no case. There's case law against my client being indicted. However, should you want to indict him, no need to bring an agent out to his house. He's a peaceful man. We'll bring him into you. Uh, oh, and by the way, you can pick him up every Wednesday on the street where you served him the target letter. So um, now fast forward, Dobbs happens in June 24th, and then Mar-a-Lago happens, and then you start seeing all these pro-lifers getting picked up at their homes on and, and morning raids. And, and so... I wasn't expecting it. In fact, my attorney contacted me in August of 2022 and said, have you heard from the assistant U.S. attorney? And I said, no, I hadn't. So when they barged in on my or barged onto my property and banged on my door on on uh, Friday, September 23rd, 2022, I was not expecting that. 20 plus federal agents and PA law enforcement with M16 guns pointed at me, my wife and my seven children uh, at 630 in the morning. And so that's what began the journey towards uh, my indictment. And essentially, uh, that all began 
uh, after uh, the, they accosted me and arrested me. And I was chained to a table for six plus hours, uh, belly shackled and ankle shackled. And uh, and I'll tell you what, though, Colonel, I had more peace. I was never closer to Christ yeah. in my life being in that room shackled to that table. I want people to understand that, again, you have no criminal record. You're Correct. a peaceful guy. Anybody, as, as your attorney told the U.S. District Attorney, you can just go up to his house. You know where he'll be, you know, on these specific nights. Why was it? And, and this is kind of a rhetorical question. But why was it, do you think, that all of a sudden what was dismissed at the local level and at the state level, all of a sudden the federal government takes it and they use countless amounts of armed federal agents to come to your house at 630 in the morning? I mean, to me, the message is very clear. Am I, am I right? Do you agree? Well, it still boggles me to this day that uh, that they used that type of force, the full armory of the government. I mean, I, I had to be a high risk offender, which means I was a violent offender, a uh, threat to the community or a flight risk. And of course, I'm none of those. And we know that to be true, because on the day I was arrested after 10 hours, I was released on my own recognizance and they would not release a violent offender or a threat or a flight risk on in their own to their own recognizance. So um, that's exactly what they wanted to do to humiliate, intimidate and instill fear. And I think in our country today, correct me if I'm wrong, the process is the punishment. They don't really care about the indictment as much as they wanted to punish, humiliate me and get me to stop what I'm doing and, and get others to do the same. Well, I think that what you just captured there, you can transition what we see happen with former President Trump. It, it is not the, the real end result. It's the process, the right. process of intimidation, the process of just saying that we can do this to you and embarrass you and harass you because there is no explanation why anyone would come. And again, something that was dismissed at the local level, dismissed at the state level, how does it get to the federal government level and you and many other pro-life activists finding your homes being raided by federal agents uh, when you are no threat to, to anyone right. whatsoever? The message is very clear that the, the religion of the left is about murdering unborn babies, along mm -hmm. with the climate change and open borders and all the other things that they just fervently believe in. But they will persecute anyone they will they will go after you with all of the power that they have in order to get you to understand that we don't want any opposition to our religion uh and and definitely for those of us of the christian faith and who ever thought you know that we would see a day when the fbi is infiltrating the catholic church i mean can you believe that well, I can believe it because of what happened to me uh, was so real uh, to to my journey, and 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 I can I, I can see it all playing out. I want your audience to know and you to know that I I asked my attorneys if the government was going to come in with a plea, and uh, and this just tells you that that what they were doing and why they were doing it was not about a conviction as much as it was about punishment. So I, I said to my attorneys, are they going to come in with a plea? And he said, no, Mark, they, they, you have to ask for that. And I said, well, I'm not going to ask for that. On January 6th of all days, yeah. about two weeks before my trial, 
The government came in with a sweetheart deal. No time, no fine, no probation. Just plead guilty to the misdemeanor assault. And I said, well, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm innocent. But I said, let me go talk to my wife. So I talked to my wife and I said, hey, the government came with a plea. They have a 98% conviction rate when they come after you. So, hey, we might consider this, right? She said, uh, well, what is it? I said, well, no time, no fine, no probation. She said, well, you're not going to take that because it's a cowardly deal and you're not a coward. Number two, you're innocent. And three, if you decide you want to take it, don't bother coming home, my wife said, <laughs> right? Because she don't want to live with a coward. And then fourthly, uh, she said, we got to do it for the good of the pro-life movement. We got to do it for the cause. We got to do it for a, something bigger than ourselves. We could protect ourselves and, and go under a, a rock and hide and, and never right. come out again, right? We could, we could have done that. But we knew that if, if we didn't stand up to this tyranny, this dictatorship, and we didn't say yes to this persecution and what potentially could have come uh, if we were found guilty. Thankfully, we weren't. Uh, but we knew we had to do it and, and get case law on the books so that this government, this two-tiered system of justice, would not continue to come after citizens like me and, uh, and, and as we exercise our First Amendment rights. And so thankfully, we got that on the books now. But it, I learned a lot about it, and it's probably one of the main reasons I'm running for Congress now. But um, but that's kind of how it all went down and show, tells you exactly what the government thought of their case by offering me that plea. Well, you know, I have a T-shirt that says stand and fight or run and die tired because that's <laughs> what happens when you try. You just you're going to die and you're going to die tired. So thank God for Ryan Marie uh, getting in your <laughs> knickers like an old football coach and telling you to get out there and uh, and compete. Uh, because you were right and, and you stood on the side of what's right. And God bless you for that. And so good transition. What has inspired you now to throw your hat in on August the 10th of, of this year? You have declared your candidacy for Pennsylvania's right. first congressional district. And you're going to be running against an incumbent Republican representative, uh, Brian Fitzpatrick, if I'm correct. So correct. what delineates? What, what's going to be your plan? Uh, because people know you for what has happened to you. But how do you get people to know you as far as now wanting to be a congressional representative? Well, sure. So, you know, I, I grew up in Bucks County where I live and that's the district I would be representing. And so, um, you know, I've, I lived in the bottom part of it and I live, now live in the top part of it. So uh, I know a lot of people here and I know a lot of people are excited. We took it to prayer, Colonel. We, 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 we spent the whole month of July praying, asking God for his uh, his signal graces to let us know that this is what he wanted us to do. Uh, so many people since the trial, even before the trial, were encouraging us to run. And I dismissed it. I said, I, I don't want to run for any political office. But, you know, more important, more people were asking me. So eventually I had to take it seriously because I didn't want to be ignoring God. You know, Samuel was called three times. I had yeah. to be called 30 times. Right. So <laughs> I'm listening and I'm saying, all right, I'm going to ask God what he wants. And I got a clear sign, as did my wife, Ryan Marie, that we are going to uh, enter into this race. Now, yes, we're going in to make sure what happened to us doesn't happen to anybody else, for sure. Uh, but the, And we're not doing it in a retaliatory sense, because think about this. Brian Fitzpatrick is the only former FBI agent in the Congress right now, the only former FBI agent. And I'm the guy that got raided by the FBI. Imagine that narrative. 
And so, so it seems like God's putting this all together for some reason this way. But nonetheless, we're not doing it for malicious reasons to to malign him. He didn't say anything to support us. He didn't come out against his former employer and condemn their actions. Uh, we're going to expose all that. He, you know that should certainly be known. But we're doing it because Brian Fitzpatrick, frankly, votes like a Democrat. He doesn't vote like a Republican. He doesn't have traditional Republican values, let alone traditional American values. So I think. The delineation is going to be clear as to the type of candidate th that I am and everything that that I will be voting for, much like you, I'm sure it begins with the dignity of the human person. And so we get that right. We move forward in everything e economically, on the borders, overseas. We begin with the dignity of the human person, and that will inform all my decisions. And sadly, Brian's decisions have not been that way. I knew his family. I knew his older brother, Mike, um, but he's not his older brother. And um, it's time for a change. Well, you know, the thing that I hope is, is that, you know, it is focused on the issues uh, and not focused on each each other as in each other being the person. Uh, but I do find it very interesting that here you are a constituent in his congressional district uh, raided by the FBI. He's a former FBI agent. And if I heard you correct, he said nothing about it. He still has not said anything about it. Now, he he didn't condemn it. I mean, Doug Mastriano, who was running for governor, he condemned it immediately. Uh, anybody that could see common sense wise that this was wrong, uh, we're speaking out against it. But unfortunately, he didn't. You know, I'm his constituent. I voted for him last three elections. Um, he could have come out privately and called me up. Uh, you know, Scott Perry invited me to the State of the Union. Uh, Scott had to call. Uh, Brian to say, are you okay if I invite your constituent, which you're, you want nothing to do with, yeah. uh, to the State of the Union in February? So Brian said, fine. So yeah, he had a chance to talk with us, to meet with us, to encourage us uh, privately. He didn't do it. So um, I don't know why. It doesn't make sense. That is very astonishing, uh, disappointing, and very disconcerting to say the least. So how can people follow you and your campaign? How can people support you, not just there in Bucks County, but the folks there in Pennsylvania and the folks from all across the country? Well, we've had a lot of support all around the country, praise God, you know, so, and the whole world support us after the raid. So I don't know, for such a time as this, as old Mordecai said to Esther, yep. perhaps we've been called. So they can go to HouckForCongress.com. That's H-O-U-C-K-F-O-R Congress.com. And they can see our platform, our common sense platform, and they can support what we're doing and, and um, get behind the, the, uh, the campaign. I appreciate it. Well, one of the things I always tell people is that God does not call the equipped. He equips those that he calls. Right. And sometimes, as it says in Romans 3 through 5, the trial and the tribulation brings about the, uh, the perseverance. And the perseverance, the proven character, and the proven character of the hope, not in man, but in hope in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I think that what you had to go through, uh, that you came through, and as your wife showed, uh, told you, 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 you did it with strength. You did it with honor. You did it with, with courage. You did it with conviction. You did it with character. I think that's what the American people are looking for in elected representation. And so I wish you well, and I really thank you so very much for being with us here on the Steadfast and Loyal Program. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Houck, uh, Hoke, you can follow him as he is running for Pennsylvania, Congressional District Number 1. He will have a primary. When's the primary date? 
Yeah, the date currently is April 23rd, but uh, Pennsylvania State uh, Legislature is thinking about bumping it up to March 19th to make it more relative to the uh, the presidential run. So right now it's April 23rd. All right. Well, we will be watching, and we hope to have you back as well, okay? Thanks, Colonel. Thanks for your service. God bless you. My pleasure. God be with you. Thank you, Mark. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for joining us this episode of the Steadfast and Loyal Program. They're very special thanks to Mr. Mark Hoke for being with us and taking time out of his busy schedule as he's announced to be a candidate for the United States Congress. As always, please click the like button and share this program with others. And until next time, steadfast and loyal. Before they burn it down.